Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and I'm excited to come to you today to talk about what I think is perhaps the most important topic in improving your running situation, which is being as consistent as you can be with the work that you do. That is more important than ultimately the number of miles you can run in a given week that is more important than the workouts that you do. It's how consistent are you day to day, week to week, month to month, and ultimately year to year in order to ultimately be your best running self. But as everyday athletes with day jobs and all of the constraints that come with families and uh, relationships and earning a living, putting the food on the table, balancing all the other things that are going on in your life, It is difficult sometimes to achieve that goal of being as consistent as you can, and ultimately, we're not going to be perfect, and that's okay, but what I want to talk about today is how do you get to be more consistent? How do you get to be more consistent? And I'm going to jump right in. I don't have anything by way of intro today, so we're going to go straight into our topic. I'm going to give you some opening thoughts about how I think about the importance of consistency the obstacles that we all face to achieving consistency, and how I frame up this question about achieving balance between life and running in your training, because I think oftentimes we think about it in the wrong ways. And then we're going to, from there, talk about 10 ways that you can consider working on consistency. And each of these may touch a different person out there, and or there may be two or three that resonate with you. But hopefully some of these 10 things could be items you can put in your toolkit in order to be more consistent. Because if you're more consistent, then you will ultimately be a better runner down the road. Again, that is more important than ultimately anything else in this running improvement game. So consistency. How do we chase consistency and ultimately improve from whatever our current position is around that. So as we jump into this topic, I want to first talk about the importance of consistency and why it is such a big variable. If you go back and listen to my episode number seven, one of the original episodes, one of the ones that honestly that people often talk about the most when I run into and chat with listeners, that episode, the title is Miles Matter. It's the episode that details our thesis around why it's important to get in volume to be your best running self. Now that volume comes in context. So it's in context to whatever your starting place volume is. And, and believe me, we are not a group that promotes just getting to arbitrary numbers. You have to build upon whatever your volume target should be based on your starting point and based on the constraints that you might have in your life But that episode talks about what volume around running miles can do for you. And the importance is not necessarily the volume you can achieve in a given week out of the year, a one-off type situation. We're talking about the volume that you can consistently string together week to week, month to month, year to year. And so why is volume and consistent volume so important? Well, it's important because that's the foundation for building the size of your engine. And I've talked about this before, but I'll talk about it again. If you think about your aerobic system like a car engine, car engine ha- car engines have cylinders, four cylinders, 
six cylinders, eight cylinders. Some car engines have more than that in terms of cylinders. But ultimately, as an athlete who is trying to be their best running self for long distance endurance, what we're trying to do is build the size of your aerobic engine, add as many cylinders as possible to that engine. And we do that by running more easy volume consistently over not just a period of months or even years, but ultimately a period of decades if you are consistent with it. Because what happens when we're adding cylinders inside our bodies is we're actually improving our body's ability to take oxygen from the air and process it to our working muscles. And you're improving all the components of that chain. None of these changes you can see but they're all happening from improving your lungs capacity to improving your lungs ability to pass oxygen into your bloodstream to adding red blood cells to your bloodstream to improving those red blood cells ability to efficiently carry oxygen to improving the blood's ability to pass oxygen through the blood vessels into your working cells to adding capillaries, literally adding blood vessels to your working muscles to improving the number of mitochondria that you have in your cells to also then improving the efficiency with which those mitochondria perform the act of respiration, which is what makes you go. So that entire chain from lungs to cells in your working muscles helps improve your aerobic capacity, your cylinders in your aerobic engine and ultimately we're trying to build as many cylinders into that engine as possible and that happens by running easy volume consistently year in and year out and then ultimately decade in and decade out and you can continue to improve your aerobic capacity with consistent running for 15 to 20 years in some cases if you're continuing on this journey and this path. And while that might be overwhelming, if you think about it from a macro standpoint, if you then narrow down the focus to the micro, you say, well, what matters in this given block of training or in this given year is just stringing together as many consistent days of training as possible, because ultimately it's those consistent days of training, regardless of the content of those days, that are going to allow you to create that foundation of aerobic capacity building over a years that will give you that very robust aerobic system with as many cylinders as possible. Because ultimately what you want is a big engine with as many cylinders as possible versus a small engine that's really revved up. And what happens when we get a small engine is when we're not consistent or when our focus is primarily on running fast versus getting in that easy foundational volume. So important the importance of consistency is all about that ability to add cylinders to your aerobic system. So you want to think about how can I add as many cylinders as possible? In order to do that, you have to be consistent across years. And in order to be consistent across years, you got to first be consistent across a month. You've got to also be consistent across a week. And so it all fits together. So the question is in this next block of training for you, How can you be as consistent as possible? Again, in a minute, I'll give you 10 ways to think about improving your consistency. The other thing I wanted to talk about by way of intro is what are some of the things that get in the way of our consistency? 
For some of us, it's time. For some of us, it's lack of recovery, potentially injuries popping up. For some of us, it might be about inadequate expectations about what is reasonable. For some of us, it might just be about different, differing or shifting priorities, which is absolutely a part of life and okay if there are times in your in your running training life where you have to deprioritize running for whatever reason, that's all okay. But those obstacles, some of them are reasonable and are just a part of life that you have to build in and adapt to over time. And some of them, I think in many cases we use as excuses. And so as I get into this intro, I wanted to frame up a little bit about how we think about consistency and the trade-offs with which we might achieve consistency relative to these obstacles. Because I think oftentimes we talk about it in the sense of of this idea that we're trying to be consistent, but we have all these variables that are getting in the way. And you might talk about time. People talk about time. I don't have time to do the training that I need. I I have constraints that prevent me from doing the training that I need, whether that be perhaps hours invested in work, whether that be what you might have to invest in relationships or parenting or whatever it may be there. Oftentimes we frame it as I can't be as consistent as I want to be because of all of these things that are getting in the way of my consistency. And they become, you know, whether intended or not, they become excuses, so to speak, in the conversation about consistency. And we all do it. We all do it in some form or fashion. And I get, I'm not going to sit here and say those things aren't reality because they are. We all have constraints. But what I can tell you as someone who has seen all walks of life, all types of people in my coaching role with all sorts of constraints, including the most extreme situations where people have intense careers and their parents and they're balancing perhaps tough things in their personal life. I've seen people with all of the potential constraints and excuses still be consistent. And so I know that the reality is the excuses are largely that. If you want to prioritize running in your life, if you want to make it a consistent part of your priority, of your priorities, then you will. And if you don't, then you won't. And I want to be very clear, that's okay at times. You know, also as a coach, I've seen people go through various phases in their life where at times they can give more to their running and at times they can't. And those are all normal life things that happen. There are ebbs and flows to life. There are periods where you're going to be able to invest and times when you can't. It's for me that nine months of my life after we had our first child where I was focused on family and I couldn't balance the workload of parenting at that time with heavy training until nine months later when I started to sort of work through things and figure it out in a different way. There have been times in my own life from a career standpoint where when I was in prior to this career, I was in management consulting and had a very intense business related job that required a lot of hours and time and travel. And at that time I had to deprioritize my training because my time at that time or my time at that time was focused on career and prioritizing that part of my life. We all have those ebbs and flows for one reason or another, and that's completely okay. The trick to me here 
in this conversation about consistency is, is taking the excuses and the reasons for not being consistent out of the equation. And at first just asking yourself, how do I want my priorities to be set up? How do I want my priorities to be set up? Is running a top priority? Is running performance a top priority for me? It doesn't have to be the top, but if it's important to you, you'll find time. And so the question for me isn't what are the excuses or what are the reasons why I'm not being consistent? It's more about how are my priorities set up? And if you want to prioritize running as something that's important in your life, and I get it, it may never be as important as family or your relationships or whatever it may be, but if you want to prioritize running, then you will. And it's not about creating excuses. It's then just about figuring out what your constraints are, how you can make trade-offs within the concepts, context of those constraints, and figure it out. Because believe me, everybody that I've coached that has as many constraints as you can think of, who wants to prioritize running, even while prioritizing a few other things, is able to make it happen and make it work. But if you don't want to prioritize running, or if there's a time and a phase in your life where other things need to be prioritized, then fine, shift those priorities, deprioritize running and its related consistency, adjust your goals and process around running accordingly to be things that are realistic within the context of your then priority structure and make those adjustments instead of simply beating yourself up. I wish I could run more, but I can't because of X, Y, and Z. No, the way to frame that is I choose not to run more because right now that isn't as important to me as some other things in life. So when we talk about the constraints around consistency, what I'm inviting you into is a conversation with yourself and those close to you, because I think it's important to have these conversations with your partner, significant others, your family, those that are close to you that are affected by the input and work you do around your training, have those conversations and say, where does it fit in my priority system? If it's high, great. Get buy-in from your family and partners to invest what you need to invest and then figure it out. Work through your constraints to make that consistency be what it needs to be to match your priority levels. And if it's not, if it needs to be deprioritized, that's fine, but then therefore adjust your goals and your process around those goals to fit with the priorities versus beating yourself up and saying, man, I wish I could do more with this, but I can't because of X, Y, and Z. No, reframe that. You choose to not do that because right now you're prioritizing something else and that is completely okay and I celebrate that. And believe me, we're all gonna have those periods where it's higher priority than others. And those periods aren't going to ultimately affect your total potential as long as you come back to it. Again, I coach a lot of people that were prioritizing running at one time, got away from it for whatever reason for a while, came back to it later, and were able to have great, amazing results later after getting back into it. So, so that's a point I wanted to make here, that it's not about excuses. It's, it's, we all have those constraints. And believe me, if you want to prioritize running, you can and you will. And if you don't, that's okay. But be eyes wide open about that choice and then adjust your expectations 
and the amount of time you invest in it accordingly so that it matches with your priority system. And then, you know, if it shifts again down the road, make that shift. But what I'm trying to avoid is making excuses. And I'm also trying to avoid people beating themselves up because they can't do everything they want to do. Okay. Now, the other point to make before we jump into my 10 ways to help with your consistency is this idea about really giving yourself a reality check about where you are from a consistency standpoint. I think most of us are in our heads more consistent than we actually are because we know what we're trying to achieve, but we don't necessarily go back and really look at the data on on an aggregate standpoint and say, hey, am am I meeting the expectations that I have in my head? And I'm not saying that because I want you to beat yourself up if you're not. I'm just saying that because I want you to be realistic about your constraints, the time you can invest, what maybe history tells you and informs you about where your challenges may be with consistency so that you can be eyes wide open about taking steps to improve that. And so what I would encourage you to do after listening to this episode is go back and look at your last training cycle in whatever time frame that might represent right before your last a race maybe that's something recent maybe that was something last fall or over the winter look back at that last training cycle and look at the data that you have collected on it whether that be in strava or on garmin connect or whatever tool you use and go back and just look at those weekly volumes and see how they stack up throughout the training cycle how consistent they are how much they're looking more like a plateau than something that has big peaks and valleys, just so that you can have an eyes wide open perspective on where you are now related to being consistent. And I can tell you, I've done this before with training cycles where I was actually looking back at my Boston training cycle last summer before the October Boston. And I got COVID in that cycle. I had a stomach issue that took me out for a week. I had some trips in there with family that prevented me from training the way I wanted to. And when I looked back at it on aggregate, I was actually pretty inconsistent, all for good reasons, or at least all for reasons that oftentimes were out of my control. But it pointed to the fact that you know I wasn't as ready for that race as I thought I was in my head. In addition, you know, I had some underlying micro nutrient deficiencies, which I've talked about that prevented me from getting the result I wanted. But I just want you to look back again, not to beat yourself up, not to, to think about what excuses you can have from the past, but just to have a realistic picture of how consistent you've been in recent history related to those big goals you've had recently and what that might point to in terms of where your opportunities might be where your constraints might be so that you can take incremental steps to be better and more consistent as we talk about these 10 things, about 10 ways to improve your consistency. Okay, so with that as a framing, let's jump into 10 ways I've got for you to think about improving your consistency as you go forward. Here we go. Number one, first of all, you've got to connect your goals to your process. You've got to connect your goals to the process. And it it works both ways here. From my perspective, it's hard to be consistent when you don't know what you're training for or why you're doing the work. So we talked last week 
about sometimes people don't have goals that are big enough. Well, I think that's, that can come into play here. I think it could be also a matter of not understanding how your goals and process are connected, or maybe you're doing work and process without understanding why, or it didn't flow naturally from your goal setting. And so once you have your goals set, then it's a question of, okay, what do I need to do? What's the work I need to do to achieve those goals? And when you have the two things working together in sync, then it's much easier from my perspective to be consistent because in those times, you can understand the why behind your goals, how the work ultimately will lead to your result. But you also understand that the process makes sense. It fits in context so that you're more willing to do it. That it makes sense to you. This is one of the reasons why I like to think about training in the context of 18-month blocks so that I can see how the work that I'm doing right now might connect to the training cycle and goal that I might have 12 or 16 months from now. If you don't have that, then why? Why do the work? You can't see how it's all going to fit together. And so I might be doing, for me, I'm training towards breaking 240, but I'm not training for a marathon right now. I'm training towards breaking 240 in the marathon, but I'm not training for a marathon right now. So how am I to be consistent if I don't understand how the work I'm doing now might affect ultimately me getting what is for me a lifetime goal? But I know that the work I did this spring and the speed track focus that I had, the work that I would do in the fall will ultimately string together to, at some point down the road, create a foundation for chasing that 240. So I can, I can connect the dots. I can see the reasons why this work matters as much as the work that I might do 12 months or 14 months down the road. So you've got to be able to connect the dots. You've got to make sure that your goals are there to inform your process so that the process isn't random, so that it makes sense. And also, once that's established, that you can then, once you're embedded in the process, stay focused on it, keep going with it because you know how it connects to that bigger picture. So it has to work both ways. And if it doesn't, if that connection is broken for whatever reason, then why would you be consistent? Because you can't understand. You can't see how the work you're doing ultimately is going to lead to the thing that you want. So make sure your goals and your process are connected and informed by each other so that you understand how the run that you do today might ultimately lead you to getting that bigger goal down the road. That's number one. Number two, be realistic and incremental on your process. Be realistic and incremental on your process. So if I know my goal is to achieve a certain time in the race, and I have therefore said I need to do X, Y, and Z work in order to get that goal, then make sure that that work makes sense, that it's realistic in the context of your constraints, 
and that it's incremental in that it isn't a massive step forward from what you've done in the past. It's a small step forward from what you've done in the past so that you can actually achieve it. I have people tell me all the time as a coach, they say, I need to add strength to my program. And when they're thinking about that, they're thinking about, I need to do three sessions a week that are 45 minutes to an hour in length. And I need to be consistent about that every single week or it's not going to matter. No, don't do that. (laughs) Don't go from zero to that. Because not only will that make it really difficult to make that leap, because that's a pretty big leap. It'll also make it really difficult to actually do the work because it's too big of a jump in terms of commitment. No, start with a small increment. Start with two sessions a week that are 20 to 30 minutes in length. Get your foundation established there at a smaller level and bar. And then ultimately, once that's established over a training cycle, then consider if it makes sense in the context of your goals, then consider adding to that incrementally in the next cycle. So keep those goals realistic and then keep them incremental to your past. I've also had people come to me and say, I need to run X miles per week. But when you look at where they're coming from, perhaps, or where, or you look at the time they have to invest, it doesn't make sense to shoot for that target. And instead, we could still make big gains by shooting for a process target that is slightly lower and more realistic that will allow them to achieve success in checking the boxes on that work. Because if it's unrealistic, and if you then start missing on the process you've committed to as a result, then that has a downward spiral and snowball effect that is hard to get out of. Because once you start missing runs, then you get down on that, then you miss the second run because you start to think, why does it matter? I missed yesterday. This is all you know, pointless anyway. And then that creates this downward spiral that ultimately leads to big blocks of inconsistency simply because you had a bar for yourself that was unrealistic or perhaps too big of a jump from where you were before. So keep your process realistic and keep it incremental. doesn't mean you can't ultimately stretch yourself, but I want you to stretch yourself in realistic steps, in incremental steps, so that you have the most success in achieving those process goals while also not overly taxing the neuromuscular system by ramping up too quickly. So that's number two. Be realistic and incremental in your process. Number three, establish your routine. Establish your routine. Repeatability in training is really, really important because that's going to lead you to the most consistency. Now, that's not to say there won't be days and weeks where Things happen, stuff gets in the way, and you got to move things around. That's not to say that won't happen. But for the most part, what you want to do in looking at your schedule and in thinking about how you can be most consistent, you want to say, where is it going to be that I have the best chance of of succeeding in doing the work? Put the work in those spots. Create and build your life and constructs around that, and then keep those spaces as, as wholly and separate as possible. For me, because of my life structure, that looks like 5.30 a.m. runs 
at 5.30 or 6 a.m. runs at least three times a week, sometimes more than that. That's where it fits on the days that matter. And it fits in other places on other days. But what you want to do is create repeatability in your routine. And if in the context of that, you can't necessarily do exactly what you want to do on a given day, try as you might to do at least something on those days so that you can maintain that consistent routine. Because once you can groove into a routine that's developed over a period of four to six weeks, then that is going to create a situation that's repeatable, that is embedded within your process that becomes like eating and sleeping and breathing that becomes just something you do as a part of life that then is separate, that's holy, that doesn't get touched. And sure, there might be situations where things pop up and you got to make adjustments and move things around. But to the extent that you can establish that routine, the better. Now, as a part of that, you might ask yourself, well, what's optimal about creating that routine? And I've talked in prior episodes about how to structure your week in terms of training and really the most important immutable rule on this is that you have to recover from your hard and long work. So you got to make sure that those recovery, easy recovery days come after the hard days, the quality days, or the long runs. And those have to stay in sequence. Otherwise, things will break. That is absolutely true. And that's something that should be unchanging. But there are other rules that are less about optimal placement and more perhaps about where it just fits consistently. So for example, with streak training, I tell people, yes, sure, there are optimal places to put it during the week. And in general, I now land in the place of believing that your hard day should be hard, your easy day should be easy. So if you can fit it in, do your strength work on a day where you're doing a quality session or where on a day where you're doing a medium long run, do the strength work on those days so that your recovery days can be truly recovery days. But if that doesn't work for you, because that puts too much burden on a given day, then groove a routine that is distinct from that, that you can sustain because your body will adapt to it. And so now for strength, I tell people most optimal days outside of keeping your hard days, hard, easy days, easy is the days that you can consistently execute that strength training. And it may, it may be hard initially once you incorporate that because your legs and muscles are going to be sore around it, but eventually your body will adapt to that load and you'll be able to execute it in the context of your broader routine. And so the best place for strength is where it will fit consistently within your week. So groove that routine and then stick to it as closely as possible. Number four, problem solve your constraints and be creative about where things might fit. Problem solve your constraints and be creative about where things might fit. I think sometimes we become too rigid in thinking about the buckets of our life and where things can and cannot go in terms of how the sequence of your day might fit together. So, for example, there might be questions for you about where can your run fit? And you might think, What's a little bit of an outside-the-box perspective on where those runs might fit in? We have people in our world that run commute to work, for example, some days, because that is a time where they can kill two birds with one stone. Instead of sitting in the car 
during the morning, they can be running to work. And if they plan around that, it's a way to match and overlap that commute time with that running time in a, in a way that works if they have access to showers or whatever it may be at work. Sometimes people fit it in during lunch hour. Sometimes for me, it fits in during soccer practice for my kids in the evening because they're going for an hour to an hour and a half practices depending on the kid at various times. And so the best time for me to squeeze in those runs sometimes, especially on recovery days, is simply during soccer practice when I'd be waiting at the field anyway. So be creative about where it fits. And for this, I encourage people to talk to others because this is where you can get ideas from other people about how they make their life work and their life fit together and then incorporate some of those ideas into your own life. But problem solve it, be creative, understand where those constraints are, and then think outside the box in terms of how you can work around them versus living in this rigid world where we can only run during certain times in the morning or evening. So that's number four. Problem solve your constraints and be creative about where things fit. Number five, know your trade-offs and where you have flexibility. Know your trade-offs and where you have flexibility. This is about understanding those places during your week where you can squeeze things in if needed. If you might have that constraint that pops up, where are you going to flex something to? So for example, in the group that I coach here in Austin on Wednesday mornings, we do our quality on Wednesday. Typically our week then follows with a recovery run on Thursday, an off day Friday, and a Saturday long run. That's how we write the schedule. But in that situation, there's flexibility in that context. So if we do our Wednesday quality and for whatever reason you can't get in your Thursday recovery run, that's a run that can flex to Friday if needed in order to make sure you get that active blood flow and movement before you go to your Saturday long run. So you get that appropriate recovery. So there's flexibility in the framework there where Thursday and Friday can work interchangeably. I would argue too that Tuesday is a run for us that those that are running six days a week, it could be a flex day. That's typically a day between the medium long run and the quality where people either do cross training or where they're doing a short run or perhaps taking that day off, depending on how many days a week they're running. But that's a run that could potentially flex around if needed. The other thing is if you couldn't make it on a Wednesday for whatever reason, again, using the same example, somebody could do a quality workout Thursday, get their recovery run in Friday and still do their Saturday long run. So you have to know in the context of how your week is structured, where those safety valves are, where those pressure release valves can be so that if something doesn't happen on one day, you could potentially flex it to another without compromising the sequence of your training or without putting yourself at risk. So know where those flexibility options are and put them to work when you need to. Put them to work when you have those things pop up that get in the way. So that's number five. Know your trade-offs and where you have flexibility so that you can use them when needed. Number six, find, write out, lay out, put it in a spreadsheet, your schedule, and then use as a visual tool that schedule to check off the boxes of the work that you need to do. And this can look different for different people, but I highly recommend 
creating or snagging or asking for if you have a coach a schedule that you can print out that you can put on the wall that the refrigerator on your desk wherever it may be that lays out your day-by-day runs throughout a training cycle so that you can then go and check off one by one with the work that you've done so that you can monitor your progress but also ultimately see in a very physical and real way how consistent you've been check the boxes and i don't think this works as well in an electronic environment for whatever reason it helps to have that physical reminder of the work that you need to do and of the progress that you've had towards that work so print out a schedule make a schedule in excel whatever it may be print it out put it somewhere prominent and then proceed to simply check the boxes could be written in your notebook could be printed out and put on a wall on the fridge whatever write it out lay it out in front of you, check the boxes as that visual tool to remind you of the work that you've done and remind you of the work that you have yet to do. Now, this doesn't mean you have to check every single box. I'm not saying that. We're all going to miss some runs. But your goal is to do 90, 95% of them versus 70, 80%. And if you can be incremental in that success around achieving consistency, then you're going to see those results. So that's number six. Print a schedule, check the boxes, do that in a physical form, not an electronic form. Number seven, always remember, and I alluded to this earlier in the podcast, always remember that something is better than nothing. No single run or workout matters. It's the collection of runs and workouts that matters. It's the collective amount of work that you've done. And so it's not about whether or not you nailed today perfectly. It's about, did you do something to contribute today to the bigger foundation that you're trying to build? And the answer is yes or no. It's pass fail. Did you do it or not? And it may be that you can't do the full workload that's prescribed for whatever reason, but if you can get out and do a part of it, that's something that matters. That contributes to the overall foundation you're building versus gives you a goose egg, gives you a zero on the day. So always do something rather than nothing. And that could look like a three mile run instead of a six mile run. That could look like a six mile run instead of a 10 mile run. That could look like a portion of your quality workout or track workout for the day. And not all of it, if that's all you have time for or all your body allows. It could look like doing strength training instead of a run. If the weather's really crappy outside and you just can't get out. Do something rather than nothing. That does a couple of things. One, it gives you something to contribute to the overall foundation, but also it preserves that routine so that you have that sacred, hallowed space and time in your schedule that you're reserving specifically to get better as a runner. It keeps that routine so that then it's easier to maintain that momentum. So just remember, something always, always, always better than nothing no matter how small that something is. Keep the momentum going by doing something rather than nothing. Number eight, find your accountability partners and tell them and give them permission to hold you accountable to the schedule. So it's not just about finding those people. It's also about telling them and giving them permission to hold you accountable, inviting them into your process. And I know naturally you're thinking, 
when I say that, you're thinking about coaches, you're thinking about training partners, and those are great examples, of course. You want to find those people. Find the people you can run with, whether you have a formalized coach or group or not. Find those friends that are going to keep you accountable. can tell you, for me, it's key. I don't necessarily have the motivation sometimes on those easier recovery days to get out and do work. I just don't sometimes. But if I have friends that are going to meet me or a friend that's going to meet me, I'm going to do it. That keeps me going. So find those people for you. But also remember that it's about more than that. It's not just about those running friends or the running coach in your life. It's also about the other people that are close to you. I highly encourage those that are in relationships, partner, spouse, close family members, whoever's living with you, tell them about your goals. Tell them about what you're trying to achieve and tell them and ask them to hold you accountable to the work required to get them. I promise you that is important because especially for those that might be really close to you, it's important to have their buy-in and support. It's important to feel that, but also they're going to want to help you. If they're, if they're those important people in your life, they're going to want to help you. They're going to be there to kick you out the door when you need to get kicked out the door, even if they're not runners themselves. So engage those other people around you, friends, close family members, partners, spouses, whoever it may be, engage them in the process, whether they're runners or not, to hold you accountable to being consistent. They will help you, I promise, if you let them. That's number eight. Number nine, build in variety. Build in variety. Love routine. Love getting my work done consistently week in and week out in similar times and spots. But someone, I'm someone who needs variety in order to keep it interesting. And how do I create that variety? For me, it happens in different ways. But a big way is just giving myself variety in the routes that I choose, the routes that I do. I rarely go out for a run on similar routes. I've got a few that I have that I can just turn my brain off and go bang out. But for the most part, when I go out and explore, I'll choose a direction and I'll just go. And then use my GPS and my own internal GPS. I will find a way to get in approximate miles I need based on my target while just simply winging it a little bit out there. And you can do it that way like I do, or you can pre-plan some of those routes, but mix it up. Last week I went for a trail run, actually on Earth Day, because I was looking for variety away from the roads. And that was ended up being an amazing experience. Had a beautiful day. It was a gorgeous day on the trails. And that really gave me life for the rest of the week. And now I'm thinking, Matt, got to do that again. I had gotten away from the trails a little bit, but I've got to at least once a week get out there, hit the trails just to make sure I'm getting some of that variety and then keeping it interesting. Because this is about, you know, this isn't, when I'm talking about variety, it's not about the grind at that point. It's about keeping it fresh and new and interesting and just giving yourself little ways to add those variables so that you can create sustainable consistency so that you don't get tired or bored or frustrated by the monotony. You want to make sure you have that variety. So seek it in routes, seek it in perhaps running partners, seek it in places that you might go. You might want to occasionally drive somewhere to a different part of the city or a different trail to seek that variety. 
could be in the cycles that you do, mixing it up as I talk about the importance of making sure you're doing different distances at different times. You're not always marathon training or not always half marathon training or not always training for 5Ks and 10Ks. Give yourself variety in your stimulus around training by training for different types of races. Mix it up with the races that you do and maybe occasionally just go have some fun. Had one of our podcast athletes do a Ragnar trail relay this past week that looked a whole lot of fun. There was no performance aspect, but it was all about just getting out there, having fun, being on the trails, being with her friends and enjoying that process. That type of stuff injects life into your training that will only help when it comes to achieving those performance oriented goals. So build in variety because that will create sustainability for your consistency. Number 10, last point to make here is make sure, and this is probably worth five points, <laughs> worth five points because it's so important because this is really how this all fits together, how this is even possible with these other nine things, which is number 10, manage your recovery well. Manage your recovery and your injury prevention well. You're not going to be able to be consistent and none of these other nine tips and tricks are going to matter if your body simply isn't holding up. If your body simply isn't holding up. So what does that mean? You can only do as many miles as your body can recover from as long as you're taking recovery seriously. And so you need to make sure and give yourself a hard look in the mirror about am I taking recovery seriously? Seriously, is that an important part of the equation so that I can't have the consistency that I desire? And so you have to ask yourself, am I going easy enough when I should be on my runs? Because if you're not, that's going to put extra stress on the neuromuscular system and make it hard for you to be consistent. Am I going easy enough on my recovery runs and my easy runs? That's one question to ask. Am I sleeping enough? That's another question to ask. And if I'm not sleeping enough for whatever reason, Life gets in the way, you have a busy week, whatever it may be, work has a particularly taxing spell on you, then know your trade-offs and make some flex. Slow down a little bit more on your easy runs. Shorten some of those runs so that you're doing something, but it's not as taxing perhaps because you haven't had that proper sleep that week. Pull the safety valves that we talked about earlier, those trade-offs, so that it is sustainable in spite of whatever short-term constraint you might face. Am I sleeping enough? Am I doing the other things that are important for me personally to stay recovered? I've talked about this before, but time on the foam roller, huge key for me in staying healthy and recovered, particularly when it comes to a few key areas of my body, my right quad, my left calf. If I'm not rolling those consistently, then it's going to be hard for me to stay injury free and therefore be a consistent runner. So am I managing that part of my recovery well? And if I'm not, or if I need somehow to reconstruct my process so that I have time to manage those aspects of recovery, which might mean maybe a little bit less running here and there so that I can invest a little bit more time in recovery, I need to make those trade-offs so that it all fits together in a way that's sustainable. So make sure that you're honest with yourself about managing your recovery well, because it doesn't matter. None of this matters. None of these 10 things or nine other things matter if your body breaks down. The other part of this is the injury side. None of it matters if you keep getting injured. 
So what does that mean? That means that you need to make sure that you're proactive about little issues that pop up along the way, that you're prehabbing when you have little niggles, when you have little issues that pop up, that you're going to the right PT or the right local chiropractor that you've already worked with and have a relationship with when these little things pop up so that you're able to get ahead of it without it taking you out for a longer chunk of time. I can tell you right now, got a little issue with my left calf and my left heel that I know exactly what's going on. And it's minor right now, but I just know if I keep doing what I'm doing without doing anything, without going to a provider, it's going to turn into something that will take me out from running. That will be more of a full-blown injury. Right now I can still run. It's not a problem. But if I keep going on this path, it will turn into an issue because this is an issue I've had before. So something on my list is to schedule an appointment with the PT I know who will help me work through this and within one session will get me back on track. So that is what I'm talking about here. Be proactive about seeking out those resources when injuries pop up, when potential injuries pop up so that you can continue to be consistent because you're hurt, you can't be consistent. Now, one caveat here is to remember that just soreness is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about injuries. I'm talking about things that are pre-injuries. I'm not talking about a little extra soreness after a speed workout or after a long run. Those days or when that happens means you need to go out and do your recovery run even more. So that should spark a thought in your head when you're sore, particularly after a day, you know, that general soreness after a hard day, that just should tell you, hey, I need my recovery run even more today. So I'm going to just go out a little slower, make sure I ease into it a little bit more so that my body then gets that blood flow, which promotes healing, that motion is lotion concept. So make sure that you're managing your recovery well, that you're being proactive about injuries when they pop up so that it doesn't get in the way of that consistency so that you can put these other nine things to work. So there we go. Those are 10 ways for you to take small incremental steps for you to be more consistent. And I would just encourage you to do a reality check about where you are with that. Even if you think in your head, I'm pretty good. Go back, check, look at those, those mileage logs. Look at that Strava output, that Garmin connect output, check on yourself. Say, Hey, am I as consistent as I think? And then ask yourself, could I be doing a little bit more and then pick those one or two things from this list that might help you just add a little bit more consistency to the overall equation because that will be time on your feet, invested in running that will pay back for years to come. So there you go. That's how you can be more consistent in this game and therefore down the road be a faster version of you. So we'll wrap this episode here. Thanks as always for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us at Rogue, you can go to roguerunning.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. You can follow me on Instagram at Rogue Chris or on Twitter at Chris McClung. That's all for today. I'll be back to you with another episode next week. We'll talk to you then.